Hey guys, this is Don Airy from Deep Purple and you are listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 120, Whoosh Revisited. And coming to you from the unseasonably miserable suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. That was quite a crazy intro, Nate. Um, You're welcome. And um, yeah, your voice went up like three octaves. <laughs> and coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Sleeveless in Seattle, Matola. <laughs> Wait, were you in Seattle? Oh, no, you weren't in Seattle. You were just hanging around Rhode Island <laughs> on your time <laughs> yeah. off. So so what's, what's that all about? Yes, I was. That was a... Um, that was a nickname that um, our good friend Rich gave to us, to me. <laughs> Sorry, that my good friend Rich gave to me. He gave it to both of us. Yeah, he gave it to both. Um, We're both sleeveless. I'm, I'm very rarely <laughs> sleeveless. I'm shirtless. I guess that's technically sleeveless, but not, very rarely with a shirt, no sleeves. Well, um, over the past couple of weeks when I was on vacation, we had some like, you know, on and off weather. It was actually, honestly, it was kind of miserable most of the time, which is, you know, kind of was kind of. Unfortunate, Ditto, hence, hence but, my intro yeah, <laughs> absolutely yeah. miserable here yeah that's why i thought this would be appropriate but um anyways one of the days he had like texted me and said are you free to hang out and day drink and i'm like yes so um <laughs> but it was um you know it was about like you know uh, 1500 degrees um uh, out so it was humid so of course like i went out and i was wearing shorts and a tank top and i mean not like a wife beater like a tank top right regular tank top mm -hmm. so um walk into this place that's in his neighborhood is a restaurant an irish bar go up to the bar sit down say hello immediately the bartender comes over and says we, we got a rule against people being in here with in, guys with sleeveless shirts and so i'm like <laughs> just just guys yeah and i'm Lady's like he's fine well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There were ladies around in sleeveless shirts, blouses, whatever, tank tops, which I, I mean, I get the rule, you know, they have yeah. like rules and like, like fine dining establishments, you know, no, mm -hmm. like, you know, sandals and stuff like that. And no tank tops or like, you know, nightclubs or whatever. And I mean, it wasn't a dump, but I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a white tablecloth type of place. So I'm just kind of like, okay, well, I, this is what I'm wearing, so I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> so and clearly, I, mean, I can't eat here or drink here. So I mean, you know, but I mean, my thought was—I mean, I didn't—I wasn't rude or anything because I mean, you know, my thought is just like, okay, your house, your rules. I mean, you know, if I'm not going to raise a stink because obviously, you know, Rich goes there a lot, so you know, I'm not going <laughs> to do anything. Just like start tipping tables <laughs> over. <laughs> Screw you, <laughs> right, Rich? You with me? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know this guy. Um, so I'm just like, you know, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass him, but I also don't like, you know, ever cause a stink in public, you know? So I'm just like, okay, well, so what do you, what, what now? <laughs> you know? We're at an impasse. <laughs> so he's like, well, I can just get you a shirt from back here and you could like put it on. And so I'm just like, all right, like, 
like a, somebody's dirty old shirt or like, what is <laughs> yeah, like a loner shirt and the odd chance <laughs> that like some guy's going to walk in with a sleeveless shirt on. And, and I felt like it was like one of those, you know, uh, comedy shows or whatever, where they're just like, <laughs> sir, you need to wear a jacket. And they give like this, you know, a guy like a horrible blazer that doesn't go with anything that <laughs> yeah, he's wearing. Exactly. <laughs> so he comes out with this fucking like large, like I wear like a small to medium t-shirt. He comes out with a large Guinness t-shirt. <laughs> It's like down your, like halfway down your thighs. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, sure. And he was kind of apologetic. He wasn't like mean about yeah, it or yeah. anything. And so I'm just like, no, no, it's it's fine. You know, I get it. You know, it's like if I want to hang out here, I'm going to do that. So I go into the men's room, put it on. <laughs> exactly. I come out and the freaking shirt is like, you know, looks like a dress <laughs> practically. You know, so I'm like, I tried to roll it up and not look stupid or anything. And so, um, yeah, anyway, so the uh, the next day, um, so, you know, so we, we hung out for a while, had a good time, uh, regardless. And then the next day, Rich sends me a text of, um, a clip of the Dixie dregs doing sleeveless in Seattle, Steve Morris. <laughs> and so, and so I was like, ha ha, I said, that, this is cool. And he's like, um, actually I sent that to you because of like yesterday's incident. And I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't even get it. You're like, oh, cool. I really like the guitar solo. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was like, all right, this is a cool. So, well, I mean, I'm used to you guys sending me random Yeah, that's true. Stuff, yeah, we do like, that all the text, time, yeah. So, but I mean, I how quickly I forgot, but <laughs> that interesting. That's uh my my um hopefully I'm not giving too much of my wife's medical history here, but years ago <laughs> we were in you, you you know my friend Chris, who I owned the studio with and was in a band mm-hmm. with. He was staying over with us in, when we lived in in Manhattan and Jen's friend Debbie was also staying with us. So it's kind of weird, random, like the two people staying with us in our tiny one bedroom apartment. They don't even, they didn't know each other or anything, um, but they got to know each other pretty well because of what happened. So we're there and then we wake up one morning. We're going to, we have this big plan. We're going to go downtown and we had, um, uh, you know, we had the whole day plan and Jen starts not feeling so good. She's like, I'm not feeling too good. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then eventually she's like, I'm in a lot of pain. We got to go to the hospital. We lived right down the street from a hospital, like four or five blocks. So we walked over there, told them, you know, just amuse yourself. So they end up like hanging out in the city, like, um, you know, all day. So this turns into she's there all where I'm with her all day. The pain just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, obviously, everything turned out fine because this was like, like, I don't know, 17 years ago or something, 16 years ago. Um, uh, so she had this. um she ended up just having like this cyst um, that, you know, just never knew, you know, like everybody does and had no idea it was there. And they had to do like, they had to put her into surgery overnight. She stayed the night. I slept on like a couch there. And, um, but they told her afterwards it was the size of a grapefruit. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, Jeez. like what is this? And the same thing happened to my mom. My mom had a, had, had some like a tumor removed when I was a kid. That was like the size, also the size of a grapefruit. It's like, where the hell does it go? Like, where is it? Um, so anyway, <laughs> Get home, tell my, you know, t- t- tell them the whole story and everything. It's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And then she was like instantly better and never been a problem ever again. So um, like a week later, my, so my friend Chris is staying with us. He goes back to where was he living at the time? I don't even remember where he's living at the time. Goes back home. About a week later, a box comes in for us from um, I think it was like Harry and David or something with like a dozen grapefruits. Because Chris, Chris is a jackass and he has to always like he has to always, you know, make light of a situation. So yeah. he he sends us this and Jen, 
much like you, is just like, oh, that's great. She loves grapefruit. So she's like, oh, this is great. That's so nice of him and blah, blah, blah. Because I open it. I'm like, what a jackass. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is so sweet. And she's like so happy and everything. And I'm like, you realize why I did this, right? Like she had just like you no idea why this had happened. And then I explained it to her. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're right. He is a jackass. But we enjoyed some <laughs> delicious grapefruit for uh, um, for some time. So. Well, I would say that, you know, in the two stories, like your friend sending you a, a, a reminder of a, a situation versus mine, I think yours wins the biggest jackass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rich's was cheeky and fun. Chris is just a giant jackass and always has been. Um, he doesn't uh, listen to the show, but if he did, I would still say the same. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, speaking of uh, grapefruits and jackasses, also the weather has been horrible here as well, although it's been mostly rainy and cold, uh, like mm-hmm. a super rainy and cold July. So there you go. Um, but hey, if you want to listen to our show and our stories about medical details and being sleeveless in bars and you want to help support us, you're like, this is some great content, guys. This is my first time listening. I thought I was going to listen to Deep Purple. I got to hear these amazing stories instead. I don't even care about listening to Deep Purple. Then you can help support the show in a number of ways. Oh, my God. I didn't even check our podcast reviews. I'll check that in a little bit. But um, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can buy some merch from our Etsy store, including T-shirts, uh, mugs. You can become a patron on Patreon or PayPal for as little as $1 a month. You can help support the Deep Purple podcast. And um, speaking of people that support the Deep Purple podcast, coming in at the Turn It Up to $11 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Frank Teelgard Mortensen, Alan Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and Mickel Steen. At the $10 Someone Came tier, we have Steve Seaborg Steve, <laughs> Steve of com and all the worlds of stage.net, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Gerald Kelly, and Victor Campos. Thank you to all of you great, wonderful people. Um, that helps support uh, the greatest Deep Purple podcast in the world. We really appreciate it. And um, in a second here, I'm going to pull up and see if we have any new podcast reviews. It's going to be very anticlimactic if we don't. Um, if I can close this silly thing out. Podcast reviews. Okay, let's take a look. We have the date. Oh, we do. Hey-oh! Um, I think we have... No, that one's an old one. So we have, coming uh. in, from Niels from Denmark, five stars. Neil says, very entertaining, a little heart and then the Danish flag twice. Really fun. I can laugh with you as I was in the conversations. Like to have a fan talk with you. Oh, I would love to have a fan talk with you too as well, Niels. Thank you so much for your kind words about the Deep Purple Podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And then, oh, what else do we got going on? So patrons, so funny you're talking about t-shirts and going to a bar. Um, I was at home um, minding my own business when I got a t- uh, a little letter in here um, on this dot matrix printer paper. And I was like, what the heck is this? So I opened it. It's a pa- it was in a package. So I open it up. It says, dear Nate, you've received a gift from Peter Gardeau. Here's what they wanted to say to you. It says a wonderful shout out during DPP episode number 114 that deserves a prize. Get one for your father, too. And uh, so I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> it is a Caldor t-shirt. Caldor. 
where shopping is always a pleasure. I don't think I even remembered that uh, that tagline. No. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's really nice. Actually, it's it's uh, from the same place that I had gotten you the Almax shirt from. <laughs> <laughs> so you probably received a similar printer paper thing. Um, yeah, when I when you said the dot matrix, I'm just like Peter Godot has to be involved. Oh yeah, exactly. There's just no, yeah, there's no two ways about it. But what what happened is I I was going through some old photos and I found a picture of my father in Caldor that I had taken when I was a kid. And one of those things where I remember taking the picture and I remember my dad just kind of like just humoring me. I was like, dad, I'm going to take a picture of you in Caldor. And he's like, oh, fine. Like, who knows? So I took this picture of him and he's just standing in an aisle in Caldor, like, I know like why I thought that would be a good idea, but it's just, it's always been in our family pictures and I hadn't seen it in years. So I, um, of course I saw as soon as I found it, I was showing my daughter some old pictures. I shot it to, to Peter Gardot and told him that. And that's why he's saying you should get a, get one for my, for my dad. One of those Caldor oh, shirts. Nice. Um, so <clears throat> it's always so thoughtful. I gotta say it's from local vintage nostalgic apparel, which tends to, um, they're, they're based cool out of Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts, so they're they're really based up around like kind of New England vintage stuff. Um, yeah. So if you are in that area and want something cool like that, uh, it's a great place to check out and very comfortable shirt, comfy shirt. Yeah, they do have some cool stuff that's very very local to New England. Yeah, so. very specific. And my, I um, was it when you had? Maybe it was when you got that. Um. When you got that T-shirt, I sent uh, I, I showed I showed my wife and she had never she'd heard me talk about Al Max like a million times for like the whatever 20 years we've been together. But she's like, I never realized it was spelled that way. She always thought it was A-L-M-A-X. Which makes sense, right? Yeah, I, I would have guessed. She's yeah. not from around there. So um, so anyway, and in other news, uh, the last little news before we get into the, the main thing is uh, we have solidified our plans and you are coming to visit me. In the Chicago area, and we're going to see the Dead Daisies. hi September 11th, 2021. We're going to be tearing up Joliet, Illinois, or Joylet, as they call it in, on the Pod of Thunder podcast. <laughs> and um, yep. we're going to be seeing the Dead Daisies and um, had a few people express interest in, in meeting us there. So uh, we'll be putting out the stuff. I'm just trying to figure out how to put like a bumper at the beginning of the episodes or something is just to let people know. Um, I mean, obviously, there's people all over the world. I don't think Niels from Denmark is going to be flying over. Um, <laughs> it'd be great if you did. If Niels, if you do, um, drinks on me. Um, but if uh, if anybody is cover. in the area uh, and, and wants to come pop in the show, uh, let us know. And hopefully you hear this first. I'll, I, I, what I want to do is put that bumper on. So like before any episode for the next, whatever, two months, it, it'll play and let people know, um, that it's mm. coming up. So I put some stuff on social media, but we'll, we'll, we'll see if anyone wants to meet up. Well, I'm excited because number one, I get to meet you in person after <laughs> meet me. <laughs> never met me. that was my favorite joy i get to meet nate finally no i get to see you in person out of like for the first time in like 20 years i've seen you for like the past like two or three but i mean it's only yeah. video That's right. and um and uh we get to we get to see glenn hughes and we get yeah. to go to a concert and uh, we get to potentially hang out with people and yeah um uh, my joke is that I get to terrorize your kids, although you say it'll probably be the other way around. Most likely. Um, we'll see. I got my um, little fuzzy cover for my, my portable recorder so we can record some on-the-go stuff. <laughs> it looks like people think we're carrying around like a small dog. 
I should put it in one of those little around, holes. Like, I'm sorry, sir. No, um, I'll be like, it's a service recorder. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Is it one of those uh, Paris Hilton dogs? One of those little purse pooches? <laughs> that's what it looks like. I yeah, can't, I can't be... just put like googly eyes on it. <laughs> a little tongue hanging down. <laughs> oh, but I think that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, my favorite was um, the other day, though. I when I I I I needed to book my I want uh, my my flight, um, or I was getting into it, and I said, I forget when the like. Can you remind me when the date is again? And you said it was September 11th. Yes. And then you're like, what happened to never forget? And I, my response was, oh, I forgot. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Never forget. Apparently, I forgot that day. I forget uh, what the other thing. But It's an unfortunate uh, date, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the show will. Hopefully, we'll, yeah, we'll. Oh, my God. It's going to we'll, be, that's going to be the, uh, oh, my God. It's going to be the 20 year anniversary. Oh, wow. Holy cow. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yikes. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, hopefully this is guaranteed to be a better day than it was 20 years ago. So, wow, 20 years. That's crazy. Um, like work with people who weren't even born <laughs> when it happened or or were like one or two yep. and have no memory. It's like, wow, it's, it's crazy. Can't remember the world. Before yeah, me that. too. So that's just um, confirms one thing is we're freaking old. That's right. That's absolutely right. So, hey, listen, everybody, this week. We are revisiting Woosh. Why? Well, because this is coming out uh, the week of the release date, which I believe is... Guys, you probably should have looked that up. <laughs> I think it was August 7th. Um, let's see. Um, because, yeah, my mom's birthday is, was the next day, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, release date. Because um, it was supposed to be June 12th. Yes, August 7th. So, yeah, this will come out on August 2nd, a few days before. So it'll be the week of like the, that where it would have been released on that Friday. And it's the year anniversary. And we kind of talked about it a year ago when we did our first initial uh, run. We looked at uh, the whoosh in two parts, episode number 68 and 69, if you are interested in checking out those episodes. And we... It was the first time we'd heard it. it we we recorded it like literally the day it came out and mm. wanted to have like our real time reactions. And it was a fun episode to do. But at the same time, I felt like, wow, we kind of need I need like some time to process this. Um, and a few people did comment like, well, you guys were a little harsh on the album. We, we, I mean, I wouldn't say we were harsh in in our language, but some of our ratings were just a little like when trying to process this. And then I know in in that summer, I kind of listened to it quite a bit. I listened to it quite a few times that summer um, and then hadn't listened to it too much until recently leading up to the episode, spun it a few more times. And every time I listen to it, I feel like I, I listen to it more critically and, and gain new appreciation for it. And um, overall really dig the album, but we're going to kind of go song by song and talk about our, our thoughts on the album. So overall, what is your kind of memory of, of the album? And, and before we kind of start getting into some of the songs. Um, what from last year? Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's it's hard. It's hard to like formulate like a, a a memory of it because like you know you we talk about the older albums that we've been into and it's like there's so much to connect to it and this one is is like I just remember like okay we're gonna <laughs> I know it sounds really kind of almost like a I don't know what's the word like utilitarian but it's like okay we're gonna do an episode about it we're gonna listen to it okay we listen to it 
Yeah. Um, it's a new Deep Purple album. I, I'm like, I don't know. I don't like, I don't really get, I guess, excited about new albums anymore mm-hmm. um, in general, just because, you know, music has changed so much. Um, and um, I, you know, I know that some people still do when they buy, you know, uh, vinyl and, um, you know, they get excited about release dates and stuff, but I mean, so much stuff is like released, you know, ahead of time singles and things like that, that yeah. nothing's truly a surprise anymore. So, um, I mean, I remember thinking like, all right, like, I hope this will be, you know, cool. And, you know, was um, looking forward to, you know, um, uh, listening to it uh, with you. And um, yeah, that's, that's about it really. All right. I wish it was a, you know, a little less boring, but it's kind of like, it's only, it's only a year old. So you can't have like a really great story about like the, there's not like a ton of nostalgia. Although I like listening to it again. I remember just, you know, like sometimes you're, you listen to an album and it just imprints these like really, really vivid images in your mind of where you were when you heard it and everything. And it's not always the first time. Like sometimes you listen to something for years and then there's something happens while you're listening to it and it just imprints on your brain. And then every time you hear that song or that album again, it makes you think of that. That's kind of me. For some reason with me, I took the kids to the drive-in at Culver's, which is like a local burger place. Like it's, it's like mm-hmm. fast food, but it's, it's like, you know, really good burgers. It's, it's um, so I, I just remember being in the fast, in the drive-through line with, um, some of my kids, two, maybe three. I don't remember all all of all of them present. But I remember just ha- having this playing while we were in the drive through line. And like for some reason now and that had, it was maybe like the seventh or eighth or ninth time I'd listen to the album. But now from now on, every time I play this album, I'm in the drive through line at Culver's, which is a really yeah. weird, hmm. weird reaction. But it's kind of, you know, that that for some reason that that's that summer. It was the summer when everything was like super locked down and there wasn't much yeah. we could do. We were just trying to figure out things to do every day with the kids and trying to be safe and being at work was, you know, a nightmare and all that. So just just that's kind of like the, the time frame when this came out is is going through that really difficult summer wearing a mask in 90 degree weather and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that kind of plays into it. Like I, that's not the first thing that springs to mind, but I mean, I think that it's just like, you know, most things that, um, you know, happened a year ago, like, you know, most people like, I'm, you know, I guess are like put it in the rear view. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were some good things, you know, there were some good things. Like, I mean, I have some, some decent memories of like, you know, good times that I have, because I mean, you know, it, you try and make the best of it. And I mean, there were a lot of times where the best of it was made and it was legitimately, you know, fun or relaxing mm-hmm. or a good time. And, you know, you'd forget um, what was going on. Um, but now, I mean, literally like everything is just kind of like, Oh, like it kind of like nothing happened, you know? And in the meantime, you nothing have at all. The, <laughs> nothing at all. And, um, <laughs> and you have, and you, but you know, but then you have the news on in the background trying to scare you about the the new variant and cases going up and all this other stuff. And then you start to get worried again. But then you know you you know think about a year ago and you're like, ah, eh, it's not that. It's not going to happen again. But then, yeah, you know. I feel I feel like we booked our um we booked like I bought the tickets for the show for the Dead Daisies and then you booked your flight and then immediately the next day it's like everything's going really bad every state's getting worse the variants are terrible and I'm like oh no we're not heading back to this again are we is this show gonna be freaking canceled I'm like oh uh, well 
You know what? Fingers Even crossed. if it is, I'm, I'm free. I'm freaking coming out there anyway. We'll just hang out in the basement, record a couple in-person episodes or something. Exactly. <sighs> well, hopefully, hopefully not. But anyway, um, here we are. We got the Whoosh album, and uh, should we kick it off with a little "Throw My Bones"? Throw them. All right, let's throw them. All right, so throw my bones, John. What are you thinking of 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 this track, this opener? So I, I should probably, dis, be, you know, do a disclaimer at the beginning. Is like I don't remember what I said last year. Oh yeah, I think we should probably both mention that. Like yeah. I don't really remember. I don't remember any. And that's or another thing we need to talk or... about. Do you want to do ratings again, and then like blind ratings, and then we can compare them to our ratings last time? Um, uh, well, I, I don't know because we don't have to uh, like, uh, yeah, because I mean, I was like listening again, uh, today to the album, but it's like, I, I still feel like I don't like know it well enough where I'd be able to distinguish it. If we don't listen to the whole album again, and we're not doing that on the show, yeah, like right. listening through to all the tracks. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we should, if we should rate okay. again, well, we don't have to. But, th- but this this was the first single that came out for the album. Yeah. It, they released it. I don't remember, but I want to say it was like April, like February or March that this got released as a single with a video because they were gearing up for this June release that eventually ended up getting pushed back because of COVID. Um, so that was the first thing I heard. And I thought it was a really great opening riff. That I thought that was really cool. Um and I, I think like I, what I find on this album, like listening to it a little more critically here a year later, is that it's really strongly riff riff based, but it's maybe not as like sticking. It's not like as um, hit you over the head or as blatant as like the Blackmore era riff stuff. Like there's a lot of riffs going on here, but it doesn't feel like super riffy. Right, right. I mean, it's like you just were able to to sing it or hum it, whatever. So, I mean, it's obviously... Uh, memorable but i think like um you know the like if you think about like the the classic uh deep purple riffs like just think about when we listen to like the burn isolated track right i mean that was pretty raw you know whereas this is really polished but i mean also recording techniques bob ezrin like the whole nine yards i mean obviously it's going to sound really good um but i kind of like how like um i want to say like um I guess it's really, really groove oriented. There's a, there's a good groove to it. You know, yep. there's a nice layer of sound. I still like how the album is, um, uh, produced and, and this song too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I, and I like the, um, I, I just know like, uh, you know, off the top of my head, the, the, the riff and then the, you know, the verses and chorus are really catchy. It's not one of those Gillen choruses that it sounds like he, uh, you know, tacked it on. It was following the melody type yeah. of thing. You know, like um, some he can do sometimes. But, yeah, um, I, I think Gillen is really um, strong lyrically here and, and melodically. Like you said, the you know this has a really like great like 
triumphant sounding chorus, like very melodic, very like sounds like he's just making this great pr- proclamation. I still don't really know what he means by throw my bones, but like I, you know, looking through the lyrics and the lyrics book in uh, for this album is just so weird like it's it's all written like an ee e. cummings poem it's all just like like it's mm-hmm. making shapes and everything um but but he's just talking about you know he keeps saying throw my bones and i'm always just like i still don't know what that means <laughs> maybe i'm just a dummy but um i mean it's it's um it's still a cool phrase i know yeah. that like a lot of times like um lyricists will especially rock lyricists will just put a phrase together it's like it doesn't really have to yeah. mean anything as long as it sounds cool that's yeah, like it's a hard day's night or eight days a week or something you know just something some nonsensical thing that ringo said oh let's make a song out of it right but it sticks yep so For sure. but, but yeah it's definitely it's good and of, of course the first impression i got from hearing it was is that it's just like you know you got gillen in his 70s and like you just close your eyes and listen to the album and you know you think that it's him on like any of the eighties albums. Cause obviously his voice changed and matured a little bit, but it really, it's really not that different from like, you know, like anything like in the, from, from my years, like in the, you know, say mid to late eighties, nineties, like all the way through until now, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And in this song in particular, you've got this great, um, you know, you've got Don Airy doing the ba 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 Like this, like really building a lot of tension. You've got, um, you've got Gillen doing some background vocal harmonies. You've got, and, and the Morse solo on this one always sticks in my head. It's one of those ones that I could be just walking down the street or walking around or walking to my office at work or whatever and just have this guitar solo pop in my head i don't know what it is about this particular solo and i don't necessarily feel that way with anything else on this album as far as solos go but it's just that um he has that like and then he does that that really bluesy and he does this like little weird chromatic thing it's it's just always popping in my head like it's like almost it's almost annoying like oh my god i can't get this out of my head but it's in a good way it's such a great solo and upon listening to this again recently to just get ready for this uh this episode i'm just reminded of the fact that there's so many people out there that write off morse and say blackmore is the only one or whatever nonsense and i'm just like wow like morse can shred and he can play fast and he can do all that stuff but he's got so much interesting melodic things that he throws into his solo and just doesn't get the credit he deserves from the older of the uh, gray-haired ponytail brigade, as you referred to them the other day. A callback to our Don Airy interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I like uh, Gil- Gillen, kind of, when you talked about Gillen being in itself, like, he has um, this kind of laid-back, like, he just has this, I'm Ian Gillen, I don't give a shit attitude. I mean, he's always had that attitude, but on this album, he 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 does that, like, that what's the rush <laughs> yeah he, he does this like little laugh and like yeah it's just that's so great you know like he he's got like this confidence even though he you know can't vocally do what he could do 40 years ago of course because nobody can except for glenn hughes <laughs> um but he's pretty much he's he's the exception that proves the rule right um so like but he's got this like playfulness to his lyrics and to his delivery that's really cool and he's not setting himself up with anything that he can't deliver on it's really cool right 
anyway, that is uh that's that's throw my bones. So uh, next we've got the track drop the weapon. So that was Drop the Weapon, again, starting with uh, another riff. And they're both kind of left channel guitar riffs. And then the keyboards come in and fill it out. What did you what do you think of Drop the Weapon? You know, I really um, one thing about this is I really liked the intro. Mm-hmm. Um, not not that the rest of the song wasn't uh, good. The rest of the song was a lot more laid back. But the intro was really kind of um, I want to say like like poppy yeah that ding, you know? ding 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 where he's just yeah yeah it sounded like it was going to be kind of like this really cool like kind of like almost like a like a 80s style like pop rocker and then like the, the the fluttering keyboards come in and it's like all right yeah this is kind of fun and upbeat and then it just kind of like kind of settles into kind of this um uh laid back uh song with a really cool groove mm-hmm. um which i wasn't expecting um so I mean, I really love the intro, um, and the the song actually when uh, when it gets to the chorus is actually kind of like a little kind of crunchy, a little heavy, yeah. which is I thought was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, it's a, I think it's another it's another good track. Um, I I almost kind of wish that like I knew that where the the intro went, um, like if they had kind of stayed on that. But uh, on the yeah, other it's hand, very very different from the rest of the song. But that's also on the other hand why like I like songs like that because they start off one way and then they kind of leave you wanting more like that. Like it's got a, it it drew, it drew you in, which is what it was supposed to do. And they're so tight, like the organ, the guitar and the bass are all just go ding, 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 ding. They're they're all just playing together in such, I don't know if they're perfect unison. Uh, I'd have to listen back to it again, but it's just really kind of interesting the way they're doing. Um, then you've got those drop the weapon where he's coming in with the backing harmonies again, which Gillen has gotten really comfortable with in you know more recent times. Um, the uh, the the he's, he's got that bridge like San Francisco, where the hell do we go? Like all the stuff that he's doing, which is kind of cool. Another great yeah. um, solo by Morris. Like Morris's solos, when you really dig into them on this album and listen to them closely, they're just great. Doing these like little like like pentatonic dyads or something like put it hanging hitting them with some full strums on the guitar too not just just kind of running up and down the, the fretboard um and then like don airy goes into this almost like carnival like organ solo um and then he kind of goes back to like uh the theme from before the he goes back to like this theme like that sounds really like i can't quite place it but um it's a really great solo by Aerie and of course Aerie every time I listen to anything with Don Aerie I, I love him even more and then the ending is very like throwback to me it sounds like Mark 3 or Mark 4 which like with, with the way Pacey is doing the, the, the ending of the song um, and then it, it ends with this uh, double chorus of these ahs and then um, the, the thing that struck me the first time I listened to this and I don't remember if we ta- talked about this on the original episode but um Gillen, what are the words to this song? Looking through the E.E. E. Cummings lyrics here. Um, uh, 
He says, to someone out there. And then he goes, anyone out there? And his like voice breaks a little. He's like, eh. Like it does this little like vocal fry on his voice. And mm-hmm. it's it's like they could have obviously they probably did a bunch of takes on that and they probably had one that was totally clean and Gillen could have done that totally clean but I loved making that they made the choice like the conscious choice to say his voice like cracks a little bit at the end but we're going to leave it in because it sounds it it does jump out at you because it's not like the most spit polished perfect thing you could possibly imagine but I thought it gave some real character to the song and it kind of was interesting that they made that decision to do that Mm. Um, you know to show like hey you know he you know, just like John Lord would do like a, a little keyboard thing, he'd make a mistake and then he'd just do the mistake three more times and it would sound, oh, yeah, you meant to do that. It, kind of, <laughs> it was kind of that kind of feeling, which was just like eh, showing, you know, Gillen's human. And he's like, Psst. and he's probably just like, screw it. I'm whatever, 73, 74 when they were recording this. I don't I don't give a shit. I'm <laughs> my voice cracks a little bit. I'm leaving it in. I'm going to get to the get to the pub for a beer a little sooner. But it's on. It sounded really cool. I, I like that song. And uh, next up, we have um, We're All the Same in the Dark. All right, John. We're all the same in the dark. We can all agree on that. What do you um, What do you feel about this song? This is one that I really like because um, I mean, first of all, the 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 riff is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of like it's kind of got that same, you know, syncopated groove, you know, that the the first uh, you know the first couple of songs on the album give you the you know it's it kind of follows like the first track a little bit you're getting that same kind of groove um which it doesn't mean it doesn't like it sounds like the first song it's just like it's all right this is a cohesive like set of songs from the same album like you know that's what i get from that but it's a really it's a really cool riff and a cool groove but then when it goes into the verse what it really reminds me of is um it sounds to me exactly like the uh, the Gillen song uh, "Dead of Night" off of Mr. Universe. Oh wow! Okay, you know because he he's a da na 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 na, and it's yeah. got that same you know, honey, you will feel all right. I start yeah, singing yeah. "Dead of Night," you know, <laughs> um, which um, which actually I went back and I listened to "Dead of Night," and it's like even though it's you know it's it's heavier and it has a little bit more energy, this isn't that far off, and I mean. You know, you're talking like 40 years and a different band, too. Um, but that's what I like about that is, is like, you know, that's, um, you know, uh, Gillen, um, you know, obviously wrote both songs. So, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, we talked about songwriters repeating themselves. And I mean, you know, that's a melody that's, you know, familiar, comfortable to him. And, um, you know, it it immediately struck me and I was like, wow, I really like this. And then I realized why, because it was like one of my favorite songs of Mr. Universe. Um, but another thing that I like on this too, is, is like Gillen's background vocals, which I mean, like whatever, it, like it almost sounds like 
like um, you know when they like you do a vocal into like you record a vocal into a keyboard and then you like you know you hit the keys and it comes out with the perfect like uh, yeah yeah you mean the background like, ahs like the ah uh, yeah yep yeah I mean those sound like so so clean and so perfect and it's like you know Gillen sounds great and I mean whether it was you know studio magic or whether it was him I mean with Bob Ezrin and you know could have been but either way. Um, you know, if it was him just like, you know, doubling or tripling like his vocals, like it sounds great. And I mean, you know, whatever the effect is, it, it adds to the song. I really like it, you know, and enjoy it. You know, it's just another layer that adds to the song and it's not complicated either. That's the thing is, it's like, you know, the songs aren't too, you know, bogged down with like stuff. No, they're not do- like they're not doing anything crazy at all. There's like there's a few like little interesting things like the first I think on the first chorus there's no tambourine and the second chorus they bring in a tambourine and they bring it back on the bridge. So like they do things like that where it's not like so super cookie cutter, but it's like little things that I honestly didn't even notice until I listened to it to prepare like more in depth for this episode. So it, it's really cool and I love his um I don't know if I feel like I don't understand bluesgrass, bluegrass, but I feel like his uh, Morse's solo almost went into like kind of a bluegrass feel on this. Probably because I don't understand what bluegrass is, so maybe it's not. Uh, but it's like kind of like does this blues thing, and then guy goes into like bam, like he's doing these like maybe it's just the fact that he's doing like what sounds like to be finger picking, so that's what make, is making me think of it. Uh, but he does this also clean tone stuff behind Ian's vocals, like he's doing like these little ad libs um, in like a blues style, and that's pretty cool. Um, and, and then overall, like the ending is like a really tight ending that they let the organ roll out and then Aerie kind of rolls off the chord like, like we just like he's he rakes, he rakes his fingers across the, the um, keys a little bit. And I, I, I think that that's really cool. Those little imperfections that can happen when you try to do a like a, a holding ending like that and kind of works mm-hmm. really well. That's uh, yeah, that's uh, we're all the same in the dark. And then lyrically, you know, it's just kind of all um discussing uh uh call it? i think i have the i thought i had the lyrics here um well i can't find them right now but um yeah we're all the same in the dark really great um great song great riff and uh, that brings us on to the next track nothing at all John nothing at all what do you think well aside from the image that it conjures up of <laughs> Ned Flanders in his super sexy ski outfit stupid sexy Flanders um, <laughs> which is what so many of our listeners now associated with because of that episode if you don't know what we're talking about check out uh was episode number 68 where we <laughs> talked about this song feels like I'm wearing nothing at all <laughs> um but I still feel that what we had said, that's one of the things that I remember because this was so distinct was, is that, you know, we felt like this sounded like a, like a Christmas song. Yeah. And know? I remember um, when the single came out, Rich had messaged me and said, it sounds like a Christmas song. And then I like forgot. And then you brought it up on the show and I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. And then he was like, what the hell? I told you about that. And I was like, Oh, oops, <laughs> forgot. Sorry, Rich. 
but it still it still does have that vibe. But another one that I, which I mean, first of all, it's it's great because it's it's like um it's different, mm-hmm. you know um you know feel it's different, but it's really nice. It's very kind of like you know um, a, you know a soothing, comforting song, but like really you know cool like intro again, another laid back track, you know, which is you know feels like that's what most of this album is is just like sounds like laid back, you know, everybody's just kind of jamming, you know, nobody's going you know, too over the top with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that that first part, you know, where the, you know, the the guitar and the organ are kind of like, you know, almost like dueling. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it gives me that like, that image, which I don't know if I talked about this before, of like, uh, like, you know, a fancy, you know, like a fancy, you know, ballroom dancing, you know, the people with the yeah, big powdered yeah. wigs, you know, kind of like, you know, it sounds like really like, um, what is it like, medieval or turn of the century almost which you know kind of connects with deep purple's roots if you think about like the type of music they they had started off playing and the keys that they were using yeah. were always like the um, word you know, baroque is coming into my mind and just yes, like that's it just that's like it. bluegrass yes. i don't know if i'm using it properly but it's the word that kind of springs yeah like i can see no, but like, i see emotion of brings out period not, garb like dancing at like you know oh my lady right. you know? yeah exactly yeah exactly and you know what even if this isn't baroque or you didn't like technically what you heard isn't bluegrass like the that's that's what the that's the kind of like the emotion or like the the you know the image that the the song evokes and it's like you know whether they mean to do that or not i feel like they they probably do because i mean you know when you have a band that's been around this while for this long i mean for a while this long and um you know they have a, a producer that's been around this long and musicians that are so great i mean it has to be intentional you know i mean at yeah. this point you don't do anything by accident you know and I mean, I think it's a good intentional, you know? Yeah. And to me that like the musicality between what Morris and Ari are doing, it's so like complicated, but they make it sound so effortlessly. It's just like, yeah. oh, this is just Steve Morris and Don Ari trading off some little, some little things we threw together. And I, I to, to this, you know, it's been a year and I still can't tell what the hell steve morse is doing like i don't know if he's got a delay effect on his guitar obviously without even without delay it's something that i would have to practice for a year to be able to play but it's just like and then don airy comes and i love the fact that don airy comes in and doesn't do the exact same thing but he does something that's like a cousin of it or that's so similar of it, yeah. and it's just it's just like oh here's my take on the little whatever uh, mode or scale that you were using I'm going to throw in something in the same style and the same general ideas and notes but it's it's the same but yet totally different and to me it's just the first time I heard this I was I was more kind of blown away by the fact that it sounded just kind of unexpected and mm-hmm. then listening to it over time it was just like wow it's just the musicality and it is actually pretty incredible well the other thing too is is that um, uh, another thing that when you're, you know, part of a, a band that has a legacy like this too. And, um, you know, I was talking about how, you know, you don't do anything by accident. I feel like if you listen to that, right. It's like, obviously you have Steve Morris, Don Airy, like I could easily picture Richie and, and John doing that same exchange. Like that's something that really pays like homage to like what the, you know, musical, uh, you know, homage to like the, the, the legacy of uh, Deep Purple's music. So it's, it's like, I feel like 
you know, they were probably sitting around and being like, oh yeah, this is something that like Blackmore and Lord would, would have done, you know? And, but, but I mean, still them being themselves, you know, I mean, they, 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 they honor the, the history of the band, but without sounding like they're trying to be copycats of the other musicians that were in the band, you know, like it's, it, it's still good. It stands on its own, you know, and that's maybe something that a casual listener wouldn't pick up, but we would because we're diehard fans. Right. And you, and you, you're so, there's so many people that are always like, Oh, it's not the same. Cause Blackmore is not in the, and they, there's always complaining about it and it's super tedious. But <laughs> if, if you listen to this and you really listen to this album, which is as far removed from Richie as any album has ever been, it like you said it 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 does it does stay true to the deep purple formula of writing and what they're doing and how the players are interacting even though from mark 2 there's only three people that are still in the band but the, those two mm-hmm. main guys who would trade off which are guitar and organ are completely different guys but it sound it's the same i don't want to say formula cuz that almost sounds derogatory but it's the same kind of essence of what the band's always been doing and that's really cool right right yeah but i mean i know yeah i think essence is a good well the formula is not not terrible yeah but i don't want to make it seem like oh there's a formula like we just like they just follow this exact formula to do a song you know right because i don't think they really ever did i mean even even when they were like you know cranking out albums in the 70s i mean they weren't they just sounded like them you know right Right. So the song like lyrically Ian's talking about, it's it's definitely a song about um, mother nature, you know, when I hear about the doom and gloom and he talks, he talks about the old lady smiled. I mean, if he's talking about mother nature, you know, she blew all, all the leaves off my tree and it's like, it gives you this real sense of the seasons changing. Like this song to me sounds like fall, you know, like it, it's a crisp fall day, even though it came out in the dead of summer um right but it, it conjures up that kind of feeling of 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 change and um he he also talks about kind of and lyrically i feel like gillen is is this might be this might be some of his strongest material ever just as far as what he's saying and how he's saying it you know we joke on gillen all the time for being not subtle and <laughs> being a little crass and all that stuff yeah. but but he's like you talked about like the the essence of his vocals are um great and the essence of his lyrics are also at, at their peak as well he might not be able to sing child in time like he could in 1972 but at the same time he, he's like i think him and the whole band are showing this maturity and this wisdom that um is pretty incredible so many people again want to write off like this isn't my deep purple but this is this is not the same band this is a band 50 years later showing the maturity and the wisdom that they have as musicians and knowing what their limitations are and knowing what they're capable of and, and putting together something that's like, in my mind, really special. You know, you just mentioned something which, you know, um, it doesn't really go along with the, the review of the song or anything, but it just made me think of, you know, Gillen doing child in time differently with, the Ian Gillen band, you know, doing that different arrangement that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And like, I think the way that, um, you know, uh, Coverdale a year ago, like was doing like some acoustic versions of his songs and seeing them in the lower register. Yep. I think it would be amazing if they could figure out a way to rearrange child in time where they could play it now, because I think that would be wildly creative. 
That's that's really interesting. Yeah, like they, he you did know? it. He did it during a time when he was totally capable of singing it. Yeah, but I mean, he that could. Way. But but yeah, he like, could just do something creative. Yeah. He could, exactly. He could. He you know he could completely do it differently, and it would still be good. Because I mean, I never thought. You know, I listened to another version of that song after the original one, and then the Ian Gillen band one came out. I was like, wow, this one is like so cool. But I mean, he, and he still did the the high vocals, and I mean. You know, I think it would just be really creative and he's still such a good vocalist. Like if there was a way that they could bring that song back, I think people would be so blown away. And I think there's such good musicians and they could, you know, do an arrangement of it where you'd just be like, oh my God, like deep track. I can't believe it. And I would, I would buy it. Like, even if like, I mean, obviously wouldn't do the high vocals, but if there was like, if there was a way... I mean, like but that's, it, that's the like only more, part you he know. wouldn't be able to do is the high, like everything, like he wouldn't be able to do the screaming vocal. He wouldn't be able, he, he could maybe do the, like he could maybe do that part, but. If Morris played it on guitar, if Aerie did it on keyboard yeah. or something like that, if he changed I mean, the vocals around what, and sang register lower or something like that and, and turned it into like more of a, a, a ballad or, yeah, I don't know. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, John Lord was doing that towards the end when they would play it and he couldn't quite hit the notes. He was playing it on the keys. So they could bring that part back and have him do something else. But yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I, I just think that uh, that would be just to get off on a tangent, like that would be really cool. Like for, for bands, like, you know, that know their limits, like obviously Gillen isn't hitting any high notes here. Like, uh, you know, uh, Ian Pace isn't doing any, uh, you know, songs like the mule, you know, at this age, you know what I mean? Um, but they're still kicking ass. And, um, imagine, imagine if deep purple comes back, haven't played a show in like two years, they come back and they, Maybe not open with it, but maybe they open with Highway Star like normal. Then all of a sudden you hear do 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 do. The crowd would go nuts, right? I mean, just oh, yeah. knowing what was about to come. Even even if, like you said, they rearranged it a little bit, but if if they heard that familiarity of that little those that little keyboard part, that, I mean, that would be crazy. Oh yeah. But, no, maybe maybe uh maybe maybe someone in the Deep Purple camp is listening can pass that along. But anyway, that was um. Yes, please. <laughs> that was nothing at all. No need to shout. <laughs> the title that always just makes me think of uh, that. That um, what was it on SNL? That John Lovitz thing. Well, you don't need to. Yell. You don't have to shout, or you don't need to yell. <laughs> you don't need I to yell. <laughs> I can't. I he's can't like a remember. really like he's like annoying character with like this like really whiny voice, and somebody finally yells at him. He's like, you don't need to yell. You don't have to yell. Oh, I, I can't remember. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't apparently remember it either. I don't even know what he says, but it makes me think of that. So anyway, no need to shout. Obviously, it starts off with this organ that sounds almost like you're listening to Perfect Strangers, like just. Yeah. It sounds like the same kind of thing, and then obviously that's what it, I thought. Yeah, it goes past that pretty quick, but. Um. The the riffs the riff reminds me of something, but I can't like. I've been I've been thinking about it like for I don't know how long and that one I can't put my finger on but it's yep. like 
it's a riff that's reminiscent of something. Oh, wait. Wait, I think I did, right? Um, Stormbringer. That's it. Oh, yeah. And I think we said that. Yeah. See, I knew it. You might have brought that up on the last year's episode. Yeah, which I thought was really interesting that, you know, basically like one of the one of these people were in the band at the time but i mean that's that's a good like that's a a good driving riff but i mean you know it's um like i said reminiscent not really like yeah. a rip so i mean it's song stands on no, its but own it's, it's pretty close you're right and then and then yeah. so he's going to Dana, like so during the verse he's doing this this kind of droning guitar and then don air is going bam bam and he's doing this little again this like roll off off the organ which is really cool yeah um it's like the uh, the guitar solo. I feel like comes in like really unexpectedly and kind of surprise you. And then it does this bomb, bomb, bomb. They keep doing this like da da da, and that was bothering me like crazy until I realized it was Frankenstein by the Edgar Winter Group. I kept expecting them to go into that, but it, it they do it a few times. These like three ascending chords, and it it, it made me think of Frankenstein after like racking my brain to figure it out right um and then he does this in the bridge section again gillen like really comfortable on the vocals and he's he's goes he just goes blah 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 <laughs> which i think is funny and he's doing a lot he's very like giggly and laughy at the first part of the song he's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like just laughing after every line <laughs> it sounds like like james brown or something he's like <laughs> hit me <"Ha>, huh. <laughs> He d- he's, just, he's just, but it's like this comfort level that I just really appreciate. He's just like, man, I've been doing this for 60 years. Like I'm like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm comfortable. I don't need the money. I don't need to prove anything. I just love, I love the fact that they're all at this place where they, they just don't have anything to prove. They don't have anything. They don't have anything to lose. They can just do whatever they want. They know they're not going to sell you know, it's not going to be a gold record right out right out the gate. They're they're but they're they're going to play to their fans and have a blast. And there's just something really refreshing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're credited. Then then he's got that classic line that made us kind of laugh because we heard it for the first time during the the last episode. Is um, he's like, "What a bunch of trash you've got exuding from your ass." <laughs> it's just kind of a funny line. Uh, it kind of just caught us off guard. <laughs> Um, uh. Ari does this piano, so he take he does this. They do they do this great guitar solo. Goes on Ari taking over, and then he throws in like a little Gershwin like Rhapsody in Blue, and he kind of does that, and then um, they go back into the Gillen thing, and then the they have um, a couple of female backing singers, Ayana George and Tiffany Palmer, um, who do backing vocals on this, and it really. Uh, livens up the song and there's some there's somewhere you can't tell is that is that gillen doing harmony or is that several of them doing harmony but on this one it seemed pretty obvious like oh they've got female backing singers and um mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of female backing singers um uh, you know. especially in like in this kind of uh uh, uh context i think it works really well so it's a great track it closes out this so they don't do obviously it's a, it came out on cd or i guess kind of came out on record but um it's it, it's divided up into two acts instead of sides you know they're just kind of going it's kind of a throwback so th- this yeah. is uh the next song is the end of act one and then they go into act two 
So for what that's where on a Got CD, it. it doesn't matter. You just listen to them all, all in a row. So, right. Um, that was no need to shout. Right, John, step by step. What do you think of that one? Uh, this one, I think, is a really moody, uh, atmospheric type of song, um, which I think be- mostly because of Don Airy with the, you know, the intro and his, uh, you know, his interlude between the verses and everything really makes me think of like something off of like uh, self-titled Deep Purple like Mark one. Oh, wow. You know, maybe like it just, I don't know. I, maybe it's because of the, the organ, especially like the, the solo and like the outro and everything, maybe, you know, um, like like uh, like all those interludes in April or something. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say April because John Lord, you know, used that like, you know, almost sounded like a church organ. Mm -hmm. So I think that that really, you know, just kind of throws back to that a little bit, which makes me, you know, kind of like those parts of the song. Yeah. I mean, I, this, this was one of those ones that, well, it starts off with that, that like very Gothic sounding organ. And it sounds right. to me, it reminds me, which is no surprise composition wise of like Mr. Crowley, like this, like very dark moody so- sort of introduction um, that uh, does kind of come back later as a theme, unlike the intro to Mr. Crowley. Um, but I love that intro. It's like this, it, it's the whole song's got the six, six, eight time, but it throws you off with these like kind of like these late hits and late beats, which I really, really like. Um, and then the verse is very like, it's just a very almost disturbing song with, with everything going on. You've got these, these oohs and ahs that sound like they're maybe done by the, ooh, ah, like, like it sounds like it's being played by the keyboard, which very well yeah. could be. And then Gillen's got this delay on his vocal, so everything he's saying is slapping back at you. Um, uh, but overall, like I, I, the, the more I listen to it, the more I think this might be my favorite track on the album. And the uh, that little, it's it, it ha, it's only a three and a half minute song, but to me in my mind it seems longer because it's got this this first instrumental break that so it goes into that thing. And then it comes back later as a little a little bit more intricate with the organ being a little bit more involved and then goes into that one of the coolest organ solos I've heard that Don Airy is doing with all of it. It's, it's got this, you know, it's got all this delay built into it. It's very um, um, it's 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 very just kind of tap. He's just very like sounds like he's very sharply touching the keys, but there's not a ton of sustain on it on it. But yet you've got mm-hmm. these delays happening. And then by the end of the song, when it comes back a third time, the, every, it sounds like everything's breaking down, like the, the, the drums are getting um, there's, there's more delay on things. The drums are getting more frantic. It sounds like there's like this kind of reverb on the drums. The, the snare drum's super compressed, and you're just hearing these like whacks of the snare drum. Um, and then Morse does a solo, which is which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this song is is great. I I, I really dig it. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely. Um, I wouldn't say it's one of the the best songs on the album, but it's a standout because it's like I said, it's it's you know has such an atmosphere about it. And a great like wrap up to that first side of the first side of the album, and then you've got the you know lyrically uh i don't know exactly what he's you know talking about moving on through the graveyard shift and no way out and um uh stay in line never dance alone he talks about holding on to a bag of bones maybe those are the bones he's throwing i don't know um <laughs> but it's kind of an interesting uh so hard reading this these lyrics the way they're written out um but yeah it's a really really cool song and of course um uh, uh or we we got um a, a cast member from Step and Step Step by Step to comment on our hundredth show, um thanks to this song so I'll forever be grateful, um, uh, and and we what I think we we also were were formulating was this is this a uh, a new kids on the block cover before we listened to it we saw that but turns out sadly it's an original sorry everybody. <laughs> Sadly, 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 it's not a new kids on the block cover, Um, but that is step by step. Sadly, for every 14 year old girl in 1988, (laughs) it's not a cover of the new kids. Uh, Maybe next time, maybe they might have another album left in them. We can only hope. All right, John, are you ready to talk about the next track? Yes. What is it? Well, I'm not going to tell you yet. Because first, we have to thank our core level patrons. Oh, coming in at the six dollar sixty six cent tier. We have Richard Fusey, Steve Coldwell and Arthur Smith at the six dollar and sixty five cent almost evil tier. We have Kenny Wymore at the five dollar ninety nine cent nice price tier. We have Fielding Fowler and Dr. Jill Brees at the five dollar money lender tier. Greg Sealby, John Convery. Uh, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikov, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Kev Roberts, Will Porter, Zwapper the Electric Alchemist, and Tim Southern Cross Johnson. And at the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, Peter Caldor Gardo, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Anton Glaving, Andrew Meyer, Duncan Leesk, and of course, Stuart McCord. Thank you to all of you so much. For your support of the Deep Purple podcast. We really appreciate it. All right, on to the next track, which is What the What? All right. What the what? What the what do you think about that, John? What the what do I think? Oh, these are the same old tired jokes we probably told a year ago. <laughs> well, um, well, if you listen to the last last year's episode, it's like all the same materials. Like there was no need. There's no need for these two jabronis <laughs> to revisit anything. They said all the same stuff. <laughs> jabronis. <laughs> Jabroni. Um, let's revisit we'll, we'll revisit in rock next week and we'll make all these witty jokes and be all the same crap we said two years ago <laughs> all right um so i feel like i said this about this song too but um it like in the the last episode we did on whoosh was um that this um this sounds like one of those like um you know um throwback rockers that mm-hmm. like um you know could have been on 
a Gillen Glover solo album. Yeah. Oh, good call. You know, it, good it's call like if that's the first time you said that. <laughs> and still, if it's the second. <laughs> still a good call if I said it, which I, I feel like I did. But you know why a lot of it too is, is because it's like, it's got that same kind of like, um, it's got that same kind of like production. His voice sounds the same. And this is like 1988. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, accidentally on purpose or something. Yes. Accidentally yeah. on purpose. And I mean, his, like his voice and like the effect on his voice was like the same and it's, it's got it kind of got like the same energy reverb sort of thing. Yeah. 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 That really like, you know, trying to go for that, you know, um, you know, uh, like kind of, um, like fifties, you know, um, a fifties rocker, but recorded with like an eighties flair on it. So it's like, um, you know, um, I think it's pretty good. I mean, again, it's like, it reminds me of something that, you know, they'd already done, but it's, you know, a positive thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I like it. Um, you know, once again, not, you know, probably like, you know, the best song on the album, but you know, it's, it's pretty good. Um, for for most of the songs here on out, like it's just um, I, I take the album as a whole. So, um, you know, I don't I don't really distinguish too much between all the other songs. Yeah, um, I mean, on this one, it's you know, it starts off with this dun 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 dun. dun. It sounds like this like piano. sounds like a, like Highway Star. Uh, yeah, almost. <laughs> when I do it like that, I guess. Um, then it just turns into a standard twelve bar blues song. It's the standard kind of blues throwaway song. Um, on an album like this, the album's fifty one minutes long. Ah, did we need to have this track? I mean, I think if there's one track that could go, this would be the one for me. Um, it's mm. it's well done blues rocker but it's been done a million times before did we need it again and to me it doesn't feel like it fits in with like a lot of the themes and things that they're doing on this on this album um mm -hmm. he does have the great line though every bar in london had an old joanna and cats who could play rock and roll piano which i enjoyed it's very like zappa kind of changing the although in the lyrics book here it says piano and i i, I contest that he clearly says piano um i find it funny that these guys in their 70s wrote a song like what the what which is kind of like a new-ish phrase like my kids say that they're like what the what you know it, so to, to hear them writing a song with that phrase is just kind of weird um I, I think the uh they've got you know it's rock it's it's reminiscing about old-time rock and roll bars and all that sort of stuff so obviously there um i can i can get that the piano solo jumps around but it, it never really leaves this like kind of standard blues progression um the guitar solo is playing it a little bit more safe um it starts to stray a little bit from the blues pattern, but then just kind of falls right back into it. It's it's a short and sweet song, three and a half minutes once again, standard blues ending. Um, and I think overall, like the energy of the band and everyone's putting in 110 percent. But to me, it's uh, it's kind of not a song that needed to be done. I think it could have it could have been left on the on the cutting room floor when you've got a when you've got a 13th bonus track. Like, I figure that could have been a non bonus track. And this one could have just been like, OK, well, we don't need it. But that's right. just my that's my take. And that is. What the what? Down, I got the things to 
Okay. The long way round. John, what do you think about that one? Um, I, another, another good one. Uh, another good riff. Um, you know, a really good chugging riff. Yeah. Ding, 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 um, ding. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Almost like uh flight of the rat mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, you know, our, our loving man. Um, oh yeah. But, um, but when I, when I hear like, you know, now it's songs like this right here, you know, a little bit more of the, uh, you know, slick production, um, you know, a song like this, I think like, you know, how cool would that be if it were a little more raw, you know, raw produced? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is uh, very polished. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. I think it's, like you were saying uh, before, you don't want it to sound um, uh, derogatory. So I don't mean slick in that way, but yeah, polished, like if it were less polished, um, but I mean, it's still, you know, still good. Um, and um, yeah, there's definitely some good elements in there. Um, you know, great, you know, Don Airy solo. I love it when they, you know, uses different effects just aside from like, you know, the, the, the Hammond, you know, the organ sound, um, you know, stuff that's like really reminiscent of, uh, you know what John Lord would do in Stormbringer, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, I like this track a lot. I think there's, I think it's a really interesting arrangement. The, the I, I talked about this last year on, on that episode, but the, uh, the boom, 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 boom. It sounds so much like the Billy Joel, like, darling, I don't know why I go to extremes. <laughs> It always just, it made me, like, I remember during the episode trying to figure out what is that reminding me of, and I finally did, um, which is kind of weird. Um, I find, like, the chorus is maybe, like, the weakest part of the song, in my opinion. I really like the verse, and I really like that little descending, bong, and they kind of end on that, and then they go into the next part, and they end on it a second time, and I believe a third time to end the song, and I mm -hmm. think that that's really, um, really cool. Uh, I think, uh... Aries using this like monophonic sort of synth to do this this like he comes kind of comes out of nowhere with the, the solo just kind of like it sounds like it's like spiraling down a hill and then he just does this really cool uh, it must be probably some sort of moog or something where he does this really cool solo guitar solo is like a standard like staccato chromatic runs by Morse but really well done and you mentioned it's reminiscent of the mule that kind of um, yeah, da na 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 na. Yeah, da na na da na na And it, it, it does kind of have bit. some of that feeling. A um, little bit. Uh, I'm picking up a lot more of those, like, um, you know, whether they're intentional or not, nods to classic Deep Purple, mm -hmm. which I think are really nice. Yeah, and it's like, I, I, I don't. I don't imagine they're even conscious nods. I think it's just like we were talking about earlier. It's that essence of the band showing right. itself. Um, and that, that might be more what we're, what we're, what we're hearing. Uh, the one thing that I know we got crap for not mentioning this, uh, the first time we covered this album, uh, I have to find the exact line in the lyrics book here, but, uh, he says, Gillen says, So it's kind of reference to the song Trash. And yep. so many people are like, you guys didn't mention it. And, we, you know, we're probably just talking over it while he said it. It didn't even notice. Um, well, we're mentioning it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're making good. 
Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, an interesting little lyrical thing that he does there. Um, and yeah, the, the, so it picks back up with this towards the end of the song, but the ending of the song is really uh, one of the more haunting parts of the album when the synth, it's, it, it ends on like a synth pad kind of ringing out. Um, there's like uh, these leads with like this he- Morris is playing these, these heavy like reverb leads over it. Ian Pace is just kind of ring like hitting the cymbals and as accents ting, you know all that sort of stuff and then Aerie hits this this pad and a chord and then and then you must use like the uh, the pitch bend to just go and just bends the entire chord down and then it becomes it goes from this really peaceful ending where you can almost kind of hear like chirping birds and all sorts of stuff to, to oh my god we're descending into the pits of hell <laughs> by the way that he he bends yeah. the chord down and then it goes into the next track um, uh, right straight from that which which kind of makes a lot of sense so um, so that is uh, that is the long way around so uh, next up is the power of the moon What do you think of the power of the moon, John? Does it compel you? The power of Christ compels me. What about the power of the moon? What does it do to you? <laughs> um, it 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 scares me. Um, this uh, this sounds like um, sounds like a horror movie soundtrack. You know, you got that the Halloween theme going on there. You know, you know that same kind of like you know almost staccato uh, type of thing going on. So it's very eerie sounding. Very airy sounding. Um, hey. hey! Well, you know what I said. <laughs> you know what I said. Uh, what? What I remember saying, and I'm knowingly going to repeat myself, is it reminds me of the beginning of Unsolved Mysteries, mm. which scares the shit out of me. Because when that so- show was on as a kid, that really freaked me out. And that that whole thing, and just Robert Stack coming out and just scaring the bejesus out of you every week. And um, I one of those episodes, if you remember, was about an unsolved murder in my own town, like right down the street from me. So that was like and actually they helped solve the murder. Um, So it was like really kind of it was really it was really weird because everybody (laughs) it was it was this it was this like, quote, unsolved murder yet everyone in town like knew who had done it, but they just wouldn't do anything (laughs) about it. And then like this came on and like, I guess we got to arrest the guy now. They're making a big stink out of it. So they arrested him and his niece was in my school. And I remember the next day in school, her uncle had gotten arrested and she was in tears and everything. I was just being like, Oh boy, this is not good. Uh, But it was scary. It was like this woman in her basement that got like 
she got hit with like a lead pipe and just uh, brutally murdered. It's horrible. So like wow. as a kid, like this is my memory of 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 being terrified was like the unsolved mysteries. And the first time I heard this, it gave me that like chill up my spine. Like, oh, no, it's unsolved mysteries. Um, probably too much about unsolved mysteries and not enough about this. song. <laughs> yeah, that's um, thanks, Nate. Um, anyways, <laughs> And the killer is still at large. <laughs> the killer. No, the killer has been. I wonder if he's still in jail. I'll have to look that up after the show. Um, oh, I mean, that was. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I mean, that was. Oh, boy. 30, 30 plus years ago. So I might be living down the street from me now for crying out loud. <laughs> um, your next door uh, neighbor. Oh, he's like, I got to get you out know, of this city. I'm going to the next town over. <laughs> you know, just completely unrelated. Like, I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier, because this is very notable. So I live on the second floor. And yep. my my uh, my dining room table is next to the, the window. I have a big, you know, sliding window. Yep. My dining room. So you know, I look out, and there's the woods over there. And my neighbor from upstairs is um, she's kind of a, it's kind of an oddball. So she's walking by, like, and she's always like, I don't know if she's got a wallet chain or something, but you always know when she's walking around because you have that clinking of sure. the keys. And so I hear the clinking and I look out there and she's walking, she's walking around and this is like, you know, a couple of hours ago. So it's still, you know, light out dinner time, like in a nightgown, the sundress or something. And she's like holding a friggin' Mr. Bill doll. (laughs) No, that's scary. (laughs) And her hair and her hair is like wet and stringy and she's just kind of walking around like she's possessed. And I'm like, this is the shit that like horror movies like are made of here. Yeah. Like, should I be afraid right now? Like, is she going to climb up the trellis and try and murder me? The answer like, is yes. You should be afraid. That's terrifying. Yes, it was like when I, I like, first of all, I haven't seen a Mr. Bill doll <laughs> since I was in like grade school. And then why the hell is this woman carrying it? She's at least in her 30s. So yeah, does, it, does she even know who Mr. Bill is? I just think she ain't quite right. Yikes. Well, that's so that's the scariest thing yet. That's way scarier than any unsolved murders. Yeah, because if I, the, the, my murder could be unsolved pretty soon. So be careful. Like, well, no, I think it'll knows. be solved. If you, if you could come turn up dead tomorrow, I'm going to be like, I know who did it. There's a woman that lives next to him. Search their apartments. Whoever's got a Mr. Bill doll did it. They'll be like, what? I'm like, trust me. I've just cracked this case watch. wide open, baby. It's the Mr. Dill, Mr. Bill doll lady. Who's going to walk in and see me? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think that was so, so funny. I mean, if I could so. get off topic, I'm going to get I'm going to talk about the song for a little bit. But this is <laughs> uh, Gillen's most affected vocal so far. It's got this like really powerful flange. Like it sounds like almost watery, like like yeah. a, like aquatic it's this like kind of reverb and and well maybe not reverb but definitely flange. Um, he says he sings "Power of the Moon" and then you go into this really cool little little pacey, super light touch fill. Like a- any other drummer would have overplayed that, but Pacey's just like he's like took it down and he just he hits the drums like dynamically just perfectly to go into the next thing. He doesn't overdo it and it's just really masterfully done. Again, showing the age and wisdom of someone who's been in bands and recording for the better part of 60 years. Um, Mm -hmm. The bridge section leads into this really haunting, like Morse guitar solo, like where he's like, like he's just doing these little like slides up on the guitar, which are really cool. And then it Mm -hmm. moves into this 
um, new section to break up the Morse solo. And then Aerie comes in with a with this Hammond solo, which is really nice. At least I believe it's a Hammond solo. And then there's this chorus backing section with Morse kind of hitting these chords. Um, and then I think like the end synth organ part kind of tricks you. It makes it seem like the song's ending, but then it just goes right back into the Unsolved Mysteries part with Roger's bass. Like he's just like, dum, 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 dum. he's he's really just plugging away at the bass, and the song doesn't end. It just um, it, it 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 doesn't end. It goes into that part, and then and then kind of slowly fades out. So yeah, really, I think this is um, this might be my second most favorite song on the album. Again, which would not hold up to the ratings we gave it last year, but um, in unrepeated lesson listens, I think even though it's kind of scary um, and haunting, it's it's like so many other parts of this album, it's it's really done well. Mm-hmm. So that is the power of the moon. All right, so that's uh, so remission possible. This is a very brief minute and a half interlude where um, about thirty seconds of it are a fade out. But what do you think mm-hmm. about the the tone of of this little? It's it's called a separate track, but really to me it just kind of sounds like it's a like we've seen so many times. It's it should be kind of almost just the introduction to the next track, Man Alive. But what do you think about it? Right, I think it's pretty cool. I like. Um... You know, I like um, it's it's kind of like a like a dark kind of heavy, you know, keyboard heavy instrumental. So, you know, I think it's a cool, you know, it's a cool little thing. It starts off with you know? this like really dirty sounding bum, 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 like really, yeah. really low. And it sounds almost like is this a, I think what it is, is like a really overdriven organ or synth. But it almost sounds like a guitar. But he's just doing these like, I don't know if he's just plucking out single notes or if he's doing dyads or chords or whatever. I don't know. Um, right. And then all of a sudden it just kind of breaks into this frantic like sprint where the guitar is joining in unison with like some other organ and then the full band joins in so the guitar kind of starts branching out and playing like picking off these notes like, like he's picking out these notes and it kind of reminds me of um uh of this song by dream theater stream of consciousness where like um, petrucci's doing this like like kind of like crazy like rhythmic thing like that while there's an organ solo going on but it's kind of kind of has that same tone to it um and then the guitar and organ do this very complicated like unison staccato like 16th notes or 32 32nd notes i don't know um and then and then it just all of a sudden that like 50 seconds into the song it just kind of like boom after this frantic thing just just kicked off it kind of gets into the stratosphere. It just all stops and holds this organ notes. And these get the guitar is doing like these, he's strumming chords or notes and swelling them in and fading them in and out. And then it just kind of fades into man alive. Um, the next track, um, which we'll talk about, but that's remission possible. Um, and our uh, next up, we'll, we'll be talking about what they do and in, in what this, you know, the ends up being the, the song proper, which is man alive. 
All right. Man alive. My cousin Jeff always used to say that. Man alive. I always think of that, that him when I think of the song. <laughs> I don't know where he got that. Ex- it's like an old lady expression. Man alive. I don't know where man he Man alive. Got- There's a man alive over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so shocking. What do you mean, man alive? There's a dead man over there. <laughs> yeah, me with a Mr. Bildow shoved up my ass. <laughs> oh, that'd be a terrible way to go. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> so um so man alive. This is this is a kind of a weird one. Yeah, yeah. It, um it definitely falls under the the umbrella for me personally of something that I can I can appreciate um the complexity of it and the production because like mm-hmm. um you know it's it's of course very you know sounds great but um you know um i I dare say a little self-indulgent you know for sure it's like a little complex it's kind of like the weirdest stand thing he does you know like (laughs) yeah you know the whole spoken word thing it's like i've never really been a huge Mm. fan of that uh type of thing but um that being said uh, you know like i said before i think it's um you know it's another song i think it's just it's very measured um, you know, it's, um, it's, a what is it like five minutes? Yeah. It's, it's um, one, it's kind of uh yeah, it's five and a half minutes. So it's one of the longer, longer songs. Um, and I, I like you, the first time I heard the, the spoken word part, like, I was like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. It starts off with this, the string patch effect, like, it almost sounds like a, I don't know what it makes, reminds me of that, that string intro just kind of sounds like, what am I thinking of? Like, it just seems like, like a, like a, a, like a, like a commercial that you'd hear in a movie, like, welcome to, you know, such yeah. and such place, like a, like a science fiction, like a science fiction utopia yeah. sort of thing, like, welcome to Pleasant World, where everyone is happy all the time. And then you know things and are going to go bad. Um, but and very uh, pleasant. When, when I when I heard the that spoken word, I was just like, oh, no. But then when he kicks into the, you know, all creatures great and small, like, I was like, OK, I, he kind of reeled me back in. Um, on that part and then you've got this uh, he says like the sunsets in the west he's got this heavy affected electronic vocal the drums it sounds like at first like it's like oh I'm listening to your drums just doing a rim shot but then you notice it's like two different tone tones so it sounds like a clock ticking like instead of just a, a typical just yeah. single tone rim shot so then I'm yeah. like wait is that actually a rim shot or are they doing two rim shots on purpose is it some sort of effect i don't know but it's 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 definitely the atmosphere that the song creates is really really interesting for sure um uh they're doing this like you know ding 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 ding. he's doing these like little finger-picked accents on the guitar uh there's just so much going on some really good drum fills by pace um yeah, the, the 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 breakdown kind of again reminds me of another something else like some other dream theater song off of I don't know why I'm not the hugest dream theater guy, but um, it, it, it's really interesting. Uh, I like I like when he's talking in his spoken word part. What, what does he say? Um, he's talking about the, the uh, oh, crap. Where is it? I can't find it. 
He's talking. He he. At one point, he mentions the wisest guys. He's like, ah, the wisest guys. And for some reason, that just cracks me up because it's like just a funny thing to say. Um, where is it? He says, oh yeah, fewer than the smallest imaginable intake of breath. The wisest guys in the evolution of humanity became extinct. Just funny thing to say. I don't know why. Um, but it's just it's just overall, yeah, it is kind of an odd song. Uh, but some really interesting um, musical parts. Um, and then, of course, he says whoosh at the end. And that's the, the big reveal. Like, aha, the album title. Yeah, aha. I thought it was kind of heavy handed. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all, the spoke, all the spoken word stuff is very heavy handed on this. Um, there's this one. He goes, man alive. And then it goes that uh, Roger does. I like, do, 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 do. It reminds me of something like Roger Waters does on the wall. It's just very like this, this little descending baseline to end up a, a phrase. Which is kind of cool. And no, it's kind of funny because the you, you're talking about Pink Floyd, and the very beginning of the song made me think of something off um, Animals. Oh yeah, which which song? Like what what part of it? Like the oh boy, I I can't. Oh, it was, it it was the very the very beginning where he kind of had that like that creepy kind of like oh, synth voice it sounds like, when he's, doing, like when he's doing the um the lord is my shepherd yeah when they're doing yeah. that with like that really heavy effect on the voice yeah that's a good call it sounds like yes. a similar kind of weird processed vocal right that's a good call um don't often think of uh, pink floyd and deep purple being uh very similar but those are two kind of similarities mm-hmm. um and then the end he does that whoosh part and there's like almost like this accordion sounding organ in the background um some really heavily filtered synth parts and then it just a long slow fade out of the song and that's kind of the end of the album proper as it were and that's uh that my friends is man alive <laughs> And the address. Oh my goodness. So this is kind of a bit of a jarring change from that really, like you said, kind of heavy handed, heavily affected thing to go back to this 60s throwback to their from their first first track on their first album. Boom, they just throw this on at the almost at the end here. So what do what do you think about that? The transition alone is a little odd, but what do you think about about yeah. about this version of And the Address? I, I think it's great. I mean it's Sounds fresh. It does Sounds for a fresh, song that's fresh from the baby. At this point, it was fifty-two years old. They yeah. dig up this old fossil and somehow make it sound like yeah. exciting and new. Yeah, I mean, you know, they like again. I think they do it with a really, you know, uh, kind of measured, you know, uh, you know, way about it. Um, you know, you can, you can just, I don't know, you can, you can tell by listening to the the album, whether it's the production or the way that they're playing or everything together, that it's like, everything is like, they're playing everything very intentionally. You know, they're really like, you know, they're really watching their, their, their tempo and they're like playing everything very intentionally. Like it, you know, it almost, um, and I I know that like, you know, Bob Ezrin is like, you know, uh, historically like a very, 
you know, um, you know, they would call him the, the taskmaster producer, you know, he'd have everything like, you know, on a, on a click track type of thing. And like, you know, be very, um, you know, precise with things. And so it's like, you know, you can tell it's, it, you know, it's, um, it's very, it's very reined in from the original, but I mean, it sounds great. It fits in with the album, like the sound and like, you know, it's just great to hear the jam, you know, it brings you, brings you back, you know, to the, you know, another connection to the, you know, the history of the band. It's very, it sounds like this song, along with so much of the other songs on the album it sounds so effortless like for them like the the playing it sounds almost like they're holding back or they're purposefully they're just like yeah we're not going to show you our full power we're just gonna we don't and we don't need to we have these are again five guys who have nothing to prove to anybody and they're just they're they're putting out a really solid album and just again they're not they're not phoning it in they're not they're playing things that most people wouldn't be able to play at all, but they're not, they're at like 75%. They're not like, I'm not, we're not gonna, I'm not going to do the fastest, craziest solos or fills or everything. I'm I'm going to just do something really measured that works perfectly for the song is still really uh, musically interesting and complicated yes. and all that. But you know, if I, if, if, if I, pu- if I put it up to a hundred, if I put it up to 300%, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. And they're, they're just, just kind of dialed back. They're just like, you know what, we're just going to, and I, and I, it did sound like there was a lot of Ezrin was, was, was holding like Morse back and trying to make him play a little slower and stuff like that. Which is, when you listen to his solos on this album, like really, like he wanted to go more than what he did because the solos are insane on this album. They're so good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. And like you said, fresh. Uh, it's the perfect ending to wrap up the album, wrap up the band. Um, and I think my only complaint about this is that they didn't make it the last song on the album, which dry- still drives me insane. Yeah. Even yeah, though they as claim, far as I'm concerned, it is. They claim, oh, no, no, the other, the last song's a bonus track. It's like, that's baloney. This is the first version of the album that came out has the bonus track. It's not a bonus track. Yeah. Find me a, a, a find me a version of this album that doesn't have the bonus track on it. It doesn't exist. So it's not a bonus track. It's the last song. Right. So that just that kind of makes me crazy. And I like the last song. It's a good song. But to me, they should have just lose that bonus track nonsense. It's not a bonus track and make this be the last song. Replace yes. what the what with dancing in my sleep and then end with and the address. Problem solved. The whole album's perfect in that. But hey, who am I? I'm no Bob Ezrin. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're just some you're just some so and so with a podcast. <laughs> well, that is true. <laughs> well, wait a minute. So am I. It's never mind. We both we are neither of us. We're both no Bob Ezrin. Neither of us. Didn't he sell his entire catalog for like 1.2 billion or something? I don't something know. ridiculous. He sold. For, remember, he sold. It was. A couple of years ago, the Bob Ezrin cattle. I don't even know how that works when you're a producer, but um, yeah, he's he doesn't need any, any advice from us. It's just, but as a fan, it just kind of that's the only thing that kind of irks me is just like it's like you almost tied it together with a bow, but then you just dropped it at the end. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's and the address. Uh, next up, we have Dancing in My Sleep.
All right. So dancing in my sleep, John, what do you think about this track? It threw me off a little bit at first because it started off like, you know, deep purples doing dance music. <laughs> yeah. That, you know? Yeah. There's, there's someone that gets credit on the album and I'll, let me look it up real quick yeah. for programming. So this obviously it's a program. Ah. So Sam Hashimi, I believe, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. He did the programming on dance. My sleep. So it's got that. It's right. Which it, it sounds like it kind of like it's, you know, it, it repeats through like, if you, if you hear, you can hear some of it under like, I think some of the verses or the chorus yep. or whatever, but um, yeah, as it goes on, it picks up, it gets, um, um, you know, it's, it's pretty catchy, but I mean, in line with the, the rest of the album, you know, it's like um, when I'm listening to it, I was like popping my head and like, you know, like, yeah, this is good. But then found myself saying, okay, this is the last song. And it's like, um, you know, indistinguishable from like a few of the other songs on the album because they all have that same mm, kind of yeah. momentum, which is, um, you know, not an insult at all. It's just, um, um, I, I think that, you know, this is one of these, you know, albums that I, I listen to as an album, you know, yeah, it, it works as like an entirety. Um, so, you know, I don't know if there are too many songs I would like pick out and just be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put this on now and listen to it or whatever. But, you know, um, and I think that might be another, you know, Bob Ezrin thing because he's, you know, yeah, everything's always been a concept or a lot of his albums have been concept album with him. This is that you can tell, I feel like this album is meant to be listened to as a, as a whole. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I think that's what I, I really like about this album. I'm a big album guy. I like listening to complete albums and this one really works really well apart from, and, and this, this song, apart from the, the complaint I have about it being called a bonus track and being the last song. I really like it. That beginning synth programming part sounds just like it was on the soundtrack of this video game that me and Paul used to play all the time called star control Two. Yeah. It just sounds every time I hear it, the first time I heard it, I was just like, this sounds like it's it's right off of that soundtrack. Um, I, I think this has got I love Roger's bass on this. Like he just he, he's really oh, yeah, yeah. plugging along. It's it's one of the in my opinion is one of his best lines on this album and maybe in on any Glover Deep Purple albums. I just really think it's one of the standouts. It's, it's awesome. Um, he does this guitar riff to end the first verse solo before going into the second verse. Um, uh, there's synth strings in the chorus. At least I think there's synth strings. I don't see any, any string players uh, credited. And then, uh, that, like you, you mentioned before that programming, that little synth program is kind of going throughout the whole song. There's a couple times when the band kicks out and it's still going in the background or the band gets quiet and it's still going in the background, but there's also a couple mm -hmm. times when the band cuts out and you don't hear it. So it's, it's interesting, but it seems like it's that driving force. It starts the song it ends the song. Um, and then I like his kind of like, don't you like my fancy footwork? It sounds like it, it's like a real like throwback, like Ian Gillen. I could see him doing that with Ian Gillen band or with early 70s purple. Just like one of those kind of lines like that. I think mm -hmm. the solo by Aerie is awesome. He, he goes into these like really crazy, almost discordant sound. Like like he's he's just like you can see him hitting one one key with like both hands, just like doing these really uh, rhythmic sort of sla slapping onto these chords. Um, 
and then Morse takes over for the second solo, and it's probably one of his like the dirtier sounding tones that he's had on the album. Um, and then you've got the these these backing singers doing the dancing in my sleep, and then Gillen once again is kind of like on what song did I mention it on earlier? Where his vo- oh the second song where his voice cracks a little, he goes he does this like oh, oh. <laughs> and it, it kind of like again is like it's not perfect but that's what's good about it it's got this like really mm-hmm. cool character to it um yeah. and then it sound and there's one part in the song where they're pl- where they're playing and ian pace it sounds like he just stops like he thinks the song's over and then he's like oh shit and he keeps <laughs> and then he, he jumps right back in like i don't know if that was a mistake if it was intentional if they just like thought it was part of the arrangement i don't know but it's that part always kind of stuck out to me it's kind of funny and then it just goes back mm-hmm. into the programming part in it and it kind of fades out but um i think it's i've gotten used to it being the closer on the album with that little programming thing trailing off at the end but i can't help but think wouldn't it be cool if they ended with and the address yeah still unchanged from but, a year ago but you know who are we what they did I haven't sold my catalog at all. Not even for, not even for double digits or single digits. I've sold it for zero bupkis. So who am I? Um. All right. So that's uh, that's our take on on whoosh. Um, a year uh, later. A year later. But um, yeah, I gotta say, <clears throat> um, I like it more and more every time I hear it, and uh, it's it's definitely something I've given a. Yeah, a couple dozen listens to over the past year, and will continue to do so. It's it's really um it, it's I at this point I feel like I've heard it more than um any of the other Morse era stuff. Uh, perpendicular, I listened to quite a few times, like especially when it first came out. But and I've listened to it hmm. on and off here and there. But um yeah, this is this is uh this album's been a, a real treat. I'm I'm glad it I'm glad it's there to represent. The band, whether it's their last album or not, who knows? We will, we will never, we will never know until. Well, eventually we'll know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we will eventually know. We right now we don't know. Although the rumor is they're doing another album, so we'll see. Since they had nothing else to do for the past year. Um, and with that, we have nothing else to do except the most important thing of all, which is to thank our foundation level patrons coming in at the $1 made up name tier. We have Els murders, spacey noodles, the untightened Lisey leaky mausoleum, not Lisey, Lisey, uh, Michael Vader, <laughs> Steven Somerville, the concerto 1999 fanatic, Raf calf, spike, the rock cat, JJ Stenard, Hank, the tank and flight of the rat bat blue light. Thank you to all of you. Wonderful patrons for making the deep purple podcast possible. We couldn't do it without you. All right, my friend. What do you think? That's another one in the bag, huh? Another one in the books. Or another... Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we're going to break up now, and um, I think you stopped (laughs) saying that. I did, but now you just put it back in my head. We had a little bit of a... We had a little bit of a hiatus between episodes, although for you it will be seamless. And um, it looked like I had kind of forgot, completely gotten out of that little tick I had. And now it's come back. Thanks to John. Oh, boy. Oh, here we well, go. We'll say it's another another one in the another one in the the rebooks because we we've already booked it. And now we opened it up and we rebooked it. And now we've shelved it again. There you go. Book them, Dano. Yeah. Book them, so John. I, I would I would say overall, um, I'd say I like this album as much as I did before. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit of a, um, you know, more appreciation of it, um, you know, after, you know, sitting with it for a while. Although I will admit that I have not listened to it as much as you. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I probably haven't listened to it all the way through since last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just no secret that I'm like, you know, um, um, I'm just into heavier music, you know? So I've heard. I'm I'm heavy, and if you don't get heavier, I'm leaving the show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a number of people, a number of concerned listeners. I guess we should address this. A number of... <laughs> After the Bobby Harrison Funkist episode, concerned listeners that John was going to leave the show because and people even offering suggestions of albums we could do to, to win John back. I'm like, I'm like, guys, he's maybe it's just the fact that I've known you for 30 plus years. I was like, nice. No, he's, he's not mad. I don't think he's mad. He just wasn't as into the album as I was. It's going to be OK. Uh, it's like if we if we didn't come back the next week with Holy Diver, like you were out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was just going to be on and be like, Nate, I'm sick of these wimpy albums. I ain't no poser. Exactly. I am leaving this poser ass podcast. And I was thinking, I was thinking, man, I, there's some albums that are there's some music that John's re- like really into that I can remember from back in the day that would probably surprise some of our listeners. So I'm mm. like, I'm like, don't worry. It's, it's OK. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be heavy. <laughs> no, I'm diverse some you know it's just um i won't i won't say i won't say any of the artists or albums on the air that, that's up to you whether you want to bring anything up but <laughs> it's like i can think of some albums he listened to back in the day where it's like yeah you, trust me it's not all about heavy with john <laughs> uh now now i'm like curious of like you know you think that i'd be embarrassed but i don't know i don't know if you'd be embarrassed but i don't now you've got all this cred as being like mr heavy music i don't want to <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, don't your... spoil it. No, don't spoil it. Don't spoil the, the mystique behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. John is just uh, the heavier, the better. Yeah. Only heavy music. <laughs> they haven't listened yeah. to our All Fives episode, apparently. <laughs> oh, geez. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that'll that'll prove otherwise. Yeah, not a heavy song um, in the bunch. But, yeah, I mean, you know, my, my brain is like, you know, stuck like in the past. I'm just like, I like stuff that's you know familiar comfortable like stuff that i liked when i was a kid um still resonates with me now even if it's newer music Mm -hmm. um so but i mean i i like all music that's you know um that is pleasing to the ear this is definitely it i can recognize how good this is and i can definitely appreciate you know a band that um you know could rest on their rest on their laurels and instead they're making new music and that just proves that they're like really deep purple is just a a a musician's band you know sure i mean why else would they still be making music i mean that's like you know you can just tell by the music they made since the day that they started that they just are musicians you know no matter who's in the band they love music they make music yep you know for them to be a legacy act at this point would be like ridiculous Right. Yeah. It's great that they're not doing that because that would be super lame. Yeah. So while this is uh this is an album that I, I would like, you know, I had actually listened to it mostly in the background. So I would say, yeah, this is, a, this would be a cool album to have on in the background for me. It wouldn't actively listen to most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, don't actively this... listen to anything other than when we do the show, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I did listen to this one a little with a little more attention to just to get ready for the episode, take a few notes, yeah. but um 
other than that, yeah, I mean, I never listen to music as with like a hundred percent focus because we don't hundred percent focus on anything anymore. No. <laughs> it's not what we do as oh. a, as a species, sadly. Oh, yeah. If my kids allowed me more than two minutes uninterrupted, I maybe I would. But. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I guess we will talk again next week. I guess we will. All right. Later, my friend. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, see, if we record into this ridiculous little friggin' poodle, this teacup poodle. <laughs> 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 the ultimate windscreen I, I i got the 10 bucks <laughs>